Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome back to episode number seven of the T-Wood Show. I'm your host, Travis Woodham, and you just heard a beat from my recently new friend of mine, Johnny Harm. I knew his brother, Josh Harm, when I was playing in college at Bob Jones University, um, but my brother, Ryan, he was the one that told me about Johnny, that he's a, he's a DJ who produces a new beat every single day. So I had to connect with him and see if I could, could use some of his um, backbeats for my intros and outros of this podcast. So I'll play the rest of his beat at the end of the episode, but make sure you check him out on YouTube at Harmony, and that is spelled H-A-R-M-O-N-E-Y, as in harm and then money, but H-A-R-M-O-N-E-Y at, on YouTube. And on Instagram, at Official Harmony. Again, it's H-A-R-M-O-N-E-Y on Instagram. So check them out. But today I got an exciting episode about the Greenville Triumph SC. Brand new team in Greenville, South Carolina. Super pumped about it. I interviewed the chief brand officer and vice chairman of this club. Um, But before then, we're going to talk a little bit about the retired... Clint Dempsey of the United States men's national team. He just retired on August 29th, 2018. And let's not forget about what Dempsey has done for the USA men's national team. Believe it or not, we're talking about Greenville's new soccer team. And Dempsey, Clinton Dempsey, was actually a Furman University graduate. For those of you who do not know where Furman University is, it is just inside of Greenville, South Carolina, um, and he was a three-year star there, helped the Paladins to two NCAA tournament berths, and finished his career with 17 goals and 19 assists for Furman University. He also went pro just after his junior season, signing a generation Adidas contract with the MLS. And in 2004, he was the MLS Rookie of the Year, as the number 8th pick in the 2004 MLS Super Draft. So I'm going to read a little bit about Clint Dempsey's accomplishments as a soccer player. He was an animal, guys. I mean, I think most people kind of say that he's a great player, but don't realize how great he actually was, because he actually didn't talk to the press very much. He was kind of more quiet. He was more of like a family man, if you will. And so he, he really tried to keep his life uh, private and didn't really want to share a whole lot of things about him personally with the media. Um, that way he can you know, save his family from the harassment, if you will, of all the media. Um, but here are some of his stats about Clint Pepsi. He was a three-time USA Soccer Male Athlete of the Year. And that, those years were 2007, 2011, and 2012. He had 218 combined appearances for both Fulham and Tottenham in the English Premier League. That's a lot of good appearances there for the English Premier League for a USA player. He had 57 goals and 19 assists combined when he played for both Fulham and Tottenham. He also had 57 goals for the USA team 
and he tied with Landon Donovan for the most goals scored with 57 goals scored in USA men's national team history. He was second place in all-time goals list for the USA, which I just said, uh, tied with Landon. But he had 120 caps entering 2017, and that is the sixth most in USA history. 120 appearances for the men's national team. Last but not least, he was a three-time selection for the World Cup. The World Cup in 2006, the World Cup in 2010, and the World Cup in 2014. Which, in 2014, he was the captain of the U.S. squad and had an amazing goal against Ghana within the first 90 seconds of that match. I posted a video about that on my Facebook page, at The T. Wood Show, if you want, guys want to capture that moment once again and relive that forever on YouTube, go to my Facebook page at The T. Wood Show. I posted about that. But let's get into the main part of this podcast, and that's talking about the brand new team here in Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville Triumph SC, as in soccer club. Not football club, soccer club, because we call soccer, soccer in America. So what I'm going to show you guys and take a listen as I interview the chief brand officer and vice chairman of the Greenville Triumph SC. This is my interview with him. I hope you guys enjoy. Here it is. Travis? Hey, Doug. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Awesome, man. Well, it's good to to talk with you, Doug. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're you're probably crazy busy with your schedule of the new new team, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, man. It's, It's awesome. Yeah, happy to. Been a been a quite the quite the fun couple of weeks lately. I bet it was, man. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, first of all, and it's kind of just you know tell us where you grew up, where you went to college, and how you kind of ended up in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, so um, I'm a I'm a born and raised uh, Greenvillian. Grew um, born here. 30 or so years ago, um, and, and grew up, uh, spent my entire childhood in, in Greenville and went to Clemson for college. And after Clemson, I moved up to Washington for a couple of years, um, lived, lived just outside of DC and, um, worked up there and, uh, just, you know, I I graduated right in the middle of the great recession. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Moved to uh, moved to Washington in search of a job where there was a little more opportunity and had had a great time up there and uh, moved back down about six years ago um, and nice. uh, met my met my wife at Clemson and she lived in D.C. as well before we were married and she moved back down um, a couple months after I did in 2012 and been back in Greenville since and I, I think that getting away from Greenville for a couple of years really, uh, really allowed me to appreciate how great a town it is to, yes. to, where it's, it's not just the, you know, Oh, the town you grew up in to, to step away and see some other places outside of that really brought the perspective kind of full circle. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. I actually, um, kind of just introduced myself to you a little bit, kind of, uh, introduced myself. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I grew up in Michigan actually, so I did not okay. grow up in the South. Um, but I, Moved to Greenville for college. I went to Bob Jones University right down there. Nice. And 
that's where I met my wife, Morgan, there and uh, at Bob Jones. And <laughs> and and I just it was super cool to just stroll downtown Greenville um, and see all that's there. I mean, it's it's a blossoming city and there's a ton of restaurants, by the way. I think it's just, great. there's a crazy stat out there. I, I don't know if this is right or maybe you know this, but. I think like per capita, it has like the most restaurants. I mean, it's like almost compared to like New York City, like mm-hmm. per square foot or something like that. There's a restaurant like the average is crazy. Um, and I love that. I'm a foodie guy for sure. Um, so like going away from Greenville and now living in Raleigh, Raleigh's awesome, too. I love Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but just seeing how friendly and community centered Greenville downtown is now is, is really amazing. Yeah, definitely. We uh, it's, it's try not to take it for granted, um, but but it is it's a really unique place, and you know it's it's a great place for people of all ages. I, th- I think that's the thing that we've come to we you know with the um, revitalization of downtown. It's a great place for kids. Now it's a great place for young professionals to live. It's always been a great place to raise a family. So it's uh, yeah. the the whole region, and now now what's really cool to see is other cities in the upstate that are starting to kind of um, take the same upward trajectory, you know, Traveler's Rest has become a hot spot destination and um, Spartanburg's downtown and Anderson's downtown are both starting to revitalize as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun. And it's, it's nice to have a couple different places to go to, uh, you know, on, on a, Friday or Saturday night, it gets pretty crowded in downtown Greenville. So it's fun to get out across the upstate and uh, check out some other places. Yeah, for sure, man. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back there uh, this weekend for Labor Day weekend to, to be there and enjoy Greenville a little bit more. Um, but uh, when you're at Clemson, I know Clemson has a great soccer program. I mean, they have yeah. an exceptional soccer program. Did you play at Clemson or did you play club or anything like that? Soccer? There? No, I, I did not. But, but I have a great uh, soccer memory for uh, at Clemson of freshman year. Um, we were number four, I think in the nation. And yeah, it was wow. one of the first soccer games I went to and we played Maryland. Uh, oh, Maryland was, good program. You know, they were still in the ACC at that point. And uh, they were number one in the country, and they came they came to Riggs, I think, on a Thursday or Friday night, and um, we we packed that place out. And oh, yeah. This we I forget the final score, but we won. I mean, we were we were heckling Maryland so hard the <laughs> entire game. Uh, we had a great striker by the name of Dane Richards, who was a Jamaican guy. He went on to play with uh, Red Bull, and uh, man, that, that was just that was one of my first collegiate experiences all together outside of Clemson football, which I grew up going to, but right. to see the passion for soccer there. And, to, you know, we, we stormed the field and I'm sitting there <laughs> the whole time, like, wait, wait, they stormed the field in soccer. Yeah. This is great. So uh, I love Clemson soccer and I've unfortunately not been uh, in, in a good while, but I, I'm going to fix that across the next few weeks talking about going down for, I actually think I'm going to go to the men's game over Labor Day weekend. They've got, Villanova coming into town and our, oh, uh, our team presidents of Villanova grad. So, Oh yeah. Chris Lewis. Yeah. Oh wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I have yet to see a Clemson game. I, I played, uh, at Bob Jones soccer there, but okay. it's not, <laughs> trust me, it's not near as the level <laughs> as Clemson, uh, for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I'd love to probably go to see a game at some point. Um, but that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, 
can you tell us a little bit more about kind of like the story behind how the Greenville Triumph SC came about? Like, sure. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, um, my, uh, my parents started an advertising agency in Greenville and been a um, very successful ad agency that's, uh, been run for about 30 years now. And, um, one of the largest ad agencies in the Southeast. So extensive, um, advertising background. I've worked there as well. And, um, as part of that, when, um, now my parents have since left the company, but when the USL was talking about starting their new D3 league, they were going around the cities across, really across the entire country, uh, cities of our size and a little smaller, uh, looking to kind of, you know, take the temperature of, of these cities. And we were, excuse me, um, they came to Greenville and really had been looking to Greenville as one of the potential crown jewel cities of the league. And, um, yeah, they, they met with the chamber of commerce and a handful of local business leaders. They met with, uh, Chris and people running pro sports teams in the, in the region already as Chris was with the hockey team. And, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that came out of that meeting is they wanted to get a little more lay of the land and just the history of Greenville and talk about, advertising and again those ties to pro sports in the area and they were um, they were referred to my dad who so when uh at Irwin Penland we had the Greenville Drive baseball account for uh, since their inception in the mid-2000s and I'd worked on that account as well and they wanted to meet with my dad to hear a little more about about the city and uh in that meeting one of the things as they got deeper into I think it was a phone call uh, he, he said, Hey, do, do y'all have any owners lined up for Greenville? And they said, well, no, not yet. Do you know of anyone? And he kind of said, no, this might be an interesting proposition to, to look at. Yeah. And that's been, that was about a year and a half or so ago. And, um, wow. quickly thereafter, um, my dad brought me in and kind of gave me the lay of the land and brought in, um, his longtime business partner, Shannon Wilbanks. Um, and we were, we talked more about it and we thought, boy, you know, this is kind of an intriguing potential. This is, this is something that the region needs. And, and we know the, the growth of soccer across the last decade and, mm-hmm. um, really, especially at the lower levels to, to see, um, teams pop up and expand and, the, you know, Greenville is such a hotbed for, um, youth and amateur soccer yes. and collegiate soccer as well across the entire upstate. And, and as, as we got a little deeper into doing our due diligence, we thought, you know, this might be something where, where we want to do this and, and where we are confident. And, you know, we, we say we're always willing to bet on Greenville and bet on the region. And, you know, it's, it's a business at the end of the day, so it's about making a profit. But one of the things that was important to us is, is this is a community asset. You know, a soccer team is something that your supporters, your fans, people in the community need to be able to rally around. And and we thought that, that this is a great thing to, to give and bring to the community and, and something that can, can unify people in Greenville and in the upstate. It's something that can um, help with talent attraction and retention. It can help with, you know, people who are young professionals, people who are families looking at cities or where should they move to. It's, it's a great entertainment option. It's, it's, uh, it's competitive, which, you know, we love the Greenville drive, but 
and as much success, as much success as they've had, you don't find yourself there watching the game a lot. <laughs> right. You know, you're there. It's, the, the great thing about the drive is it's it's uh, you know it's a bar and it's a park for everybody. You yep. take your kids, you take your friends, and and it's one of the most beautiful baseball stadiums in the country, regardless of level. Yes, but it, the, the thing that soccer brings is that you know passionate ninety minute game that that you're going to get into, and. Um, so I know I'm, I know this is kind of a long-winded answer, but to kind of accelerate the story a bit, we got later into the exercise, and you know, one of the things I mentioned uh, to my dad and Shannon was, "Hey, you know, I, I I know we feel pretty confident about doing this, but the one thing we don't know how to do is to run pro sports on a day-to-day basis. We've not worked directly in sports. We worked on that marketing side. We um, have you know close friends who run teams, but we, we need somebody." who can run this right. on a day-to-day basis, been there, done that, and knows how to make it work and turn a profit. And, um, my dad and Chris Lewis had known each other for a, a couple of years. And um, given the sale of the hockey team happening right around the same time, we knew that Chris was going to potentially be available um, as a result of the sale. And we brought him in for a, a meeting and uh Soccer's long been one of Chris's passions, and the timing just was was too perfect. Was, yeah, you know, it was, it was a sign. Uh, <laughs> so we we joked after you know Chris left the hockey team. I think he had about forty eight hours off before he um, started no with us on a consulting basis. Yeah, and uh, and and now here we are. That's crazy, man. That is an awesome story. And yeah, and, and you're you're spot on about just the growth of the game and and how there's so many different clubs is popping up in different cities now and they, they can see how the trajectory of, you know, the fan base in America now has, has gone up. And I'm pretty sure I checked the stats on this not too long ago. I've won my podcast was, um, it's an interesting fact that the youth participation has gone down a little bit, but, but the viewership, the viewing of soccer in America has gone up like crazy. So it's it's a very interesting thing we're um, we're kind of in right now. But um, like you said, like Greenville is a perfect spot. I mean, you got a strong community, you got a great downtown, um, family friendliness. I mean, Greenville has all the tools to be a successful club in, in the game of soccer. I feel like, and plus, you know, you got what two hours down the road, down south, you got Atlanta United, and I bet you some some guys and, and girls that can't make that trip. They're, they're hungry for soccer and now Greenville has it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the other, the other thing I, in addition to, you've got a great young professional um, crowd that's been able to move downtown as we've seen an apartment, boom. you got the families, you've got, um, the, the other thing you have is a very strong international population. Um, yeah. You've got a great his, Hispanic population all throughout town. You know, you've got Michelin, you've got GE, you, you have BMW, all these, you know, Fortune 500 international companies that um, have lots of foreign employees that, you know, they, they're watching yep. German soccer, they're watching French soccer, they're watching the Premier League. So there's there's really just such a great diversity of people. I, it just suits so well to what is the most diverse sport in the world. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's awesome, and I'm I'm super pumped for you guys. This is this is a great opportunity um, to to see a, a soccer brand grow in America right here in Greenville. Um, and can you talk a little bit more about kind of what your responsibilities are there at the Greenville Triumph SC? Um, tell us a little bit about what you do, kind of the ins and outs. 
Sure. So I kind of work in a dual role where um, I'm part of the ownership groups. So uh, I'm one of the minority owners. And um, I, we joke, uh, I was talking with Coach Harks uh, the other day and he was trying to reel off my title and couldn't, couldn't remember <laughs> it. I said, I said, I know it's unfortunately a little bit wordy. So um, from the ownership side, you know, as vice chairman, it's, it's about representing the ownership group on a day-to-day basis and helping in um, decision-making of all aspects of the club. And then uh, working it as the chief brand officer as well, which I'll oversee all the marketing efforts. I'll work um, alongside our chief uh, chief revenue officer and our community relations, our VP of um, sponsorship and community relations, to to you know help marketing sell tickets and uh, help get us you know pumped up for community events, and then. Additionally, um, I oversaw all the brand uh, creation and launch, and it'll be a lot of, you know, working with uh, people and fans and supporters of, you know, when you just interactions with the brand. And um, a lot of that is it it goes down to game day experience. It's really it's not just marketing that you see online and billboards and print. It's it's every way. consumer would come in contact with the club. I kind of oversee that and um, just help make sure we're creating great experiences for everybody. Yeah, that is awesome. And can you talk a little bit more about how the brand, like your logo came about? I know it's sure. a great looking logo. And I know on uh, Facebook, I saw that kind of brand reveal. Um, it's super well done video, by the way. That was awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Go ahead. We we had a great team that we worked with. Um, the, our our team at Upper West Creative, which is a local um, local small uh, creative agency, that was actually a, a few people that used to work with us in advertising at Irwin Penland and had done a lot of brand work for the Greenville Drive and um, helped build out that initial brand. They were they were an easy call for us, and you know we we approached them literally the day after we announced the franchise back in March, uh, we approached them and wanted to get going on the process. And, and we said, you know, now the thing you need to know about soccer is it's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just naming another team. It's, it's, you need to have this community buy-in and not just buy-in, but community involvement in the process. Yeah. And, uh, that, that normally makes a creative director's, uh, head spin when you say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have to bring in some, some people off the street to, to look at your work and, you know, either praise it or tear it apart, but, um, but it's part of the process. And so we, we started with, uh, about 20 names, um, and 10 or so different logos and, uh, potential crests and worked through that process, whittling that to 10 and five and, uh, we got to about three three names and three loose potential crests that we felt good about. Mm-hmm. And um, we had people who put down the season ticket deposits, uh, which gets you priority seat selection at our stadium next year and our forever home once we get it built. Also gets you access to uh, exclusive events and allowed you to take part in a survey to give your input on the brand and um, I, I'm not ashamed to say it was a survey that we ripped off a little bit from the way Atlanta United did things when when they came uh, to be. They had they had a survey that you know had a little bit of demographic information, but also just a lot of terms and uh, you know rate 
how how important do you feel that it is that a team name is a European team name or mm-hmm. an American sounding team name, be it, you know, Manchester United versus uh, Philadelphia Union, Portland Timbers, things like that. Right. And that, that survey was really important in, in guiding um, in guiding us to, to what the community wanted to see from a brand. And also we had uh, some focus groups and the kind of cool moment in this process is this process was about five months long, which we originally thought was going to be maybe two months, but we yeah. kept having to slow it down for, for good reason. Cause we were getting good feedback uh, from people in the community and we were, we were happy to slow that process down, but we'd gotten to this point where we had three team names, three, four team names that we felt comfortable with. And um, we were kind of divided on what they were. And we had these three or four crests but I just felt like we weren't quite there with with the crest. There was something missing, and, and none of us could put our fingers on it. Mm-hmm. So we had a we had a focus group, and we're going through the names, and we get to these these crests, and someone stops us and says, "You know, I, we're on I think the third crest or, or the second crest," and they go, "You know, these look all right, but and I get what you're trying to do with the." I forget the design element specifically, and you know, I get what you're how you're trying to tie that into the team name, but we, I, I think I speak for everyone. We don't necessarily want or need the crest to tie into the team name. The crest just needs to be a reflection of the community. It needs mm-hmm. to, it needs to represent the region, and you know, we're hearing that, and, and I'm sitting in the back of the room scribbling down with my pen what he's saying as fast as I can <laughs> uh, and and that's kind of the aha moment and yeah. so we we had a couple different logos and and we get out of that focus group and I go I go to Chris and I say you know here's what they said and and boy you know we showed them one crest at the end that was actually probably our least favorite but they loved this design element in it and they thought it really spoke to the region and so I said, okay, well, what if we do this? And Chris and I are sitting in the office and I, I can't draw worth anything. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a car. De- I, I really wanted to be a car designer. I'm a huge car guy. Awesome. And um, so that's like, why, why did you not go into that? And I said, well, cause around age 10, I realized I couldn't draw <laughs> uh, kind of a big important part. Yeah. Uh, but what, what I did was we, we sketched out and we kind of did a mashup of three or four of the logos that we, that we had in potential crests. And, um, I thought, boy, this is going to look too busy. And we didn't smash them. I thought, yeah, actually that doesn't look half bad. And I, I, the next morning I go to our, our team, our creative team. And I said, guys, you're going to hate me. I drew something. (laughs) Uh, And I, I showed it to him and explained the rationale behind it. And I said, you know, make this, make this look pretty. Um, right. I, we, we think coming out of the focus group, this tells the story of our name. Yes, but it tells the story of our region. The colors are in there. The physical features um, are in there. And I think this team name is the one that says the best about who we are as a people and as a community. And they take that drawing and the first time they, they sent it back an hour later and they said, what about this? And I looked at it and I think Chris, I said, there's our logo. That's there's perfect. our crest. There's everything. And that's the logo you see now. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're going to wear on our kits. And, um, the, the team name itself triumph tells the story of this community. 
and the people in it. Um, you know, I'm sure you know from your time down in Greenville that just kind of the history of Greenville, where the, the, the Greenville and the upstate as a whole, we're the textile capital of yep. the world. And in the 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the industry started to shift overseas and mills were getting boarded up left and right, people getting laid off. And um, downtown Greenville and the upstate as a whole was not was not a great place. And uh, but the, the yeah. spirit of the people to not not be OK with that as you know, so many other um, towns across America, especially in the south, as, as we moved away from an agricultural economy. Um, so many towns have boarded up and never really recovered. Uh, and the determination and the will of people uh, in the face of that adversity to band together and reinvent this place as an international manufacturing hub to bring BMW, to bring Michelin, to take what was a boarded up downtown that you didn't want to go to after it got dark out and to, to rise above that and to become one of the most desirable towns to live in in America, to have one of the best downtowns in America, one of the best main streets, to do what I talked about earlier, you know, Spartanburg and Anderson and these other communities, they're starting to reinvent themselves as well. That, that triumph of the human spirit, um, we think represents the community and it's also what we hope to do on the field. Yeah, that is, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with the name uh, and all the reasons behind that. That You guys did a great job with that logo. And I, I love how you added that little touch in the crest with the Blue Ridge Mountains in there. Is that kind of the, the feel of it? Like a, it the is, yeah. Yeah, so you've got the T for triumph rising above um, the Blue Ridge Mountains and the, the rivers. You know, we're, we're one of the only um, cities of our size in America that has a river running right through the middle of downtown. And that was yeah. one, of the main, uh, one of the main things when the advent for the Liberty Bridge was people realizing it's so unique to have a river running right through downtown. So yeah. the mountains and the rivers and the crest speak to that. Um, you right. see, we've got the you've got the gradient green in the crest as well. That kind of speaks to obviously to Greenville and to the uh, the scenery, of the upstate, and the the colors of um, all the plant life. Yeah. And then you know the, the thing we say uh, jokingly is, and you know how could we pass on the low hanging fruit of soccer club in South Carolina, both being SC. Um, so you've got <laughs> yeah. the SC in the crest as well. And, and again, you know we 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 come from a kind of proudly arrogant part of the nation. You know, it's, it's college football country. It's football is college football. We're, we're soccer. This is America, you know? So we're, <laughs> right. we're, we're not ashamed to call it soccer. I'm, I'm, we're trying to work on our terminology and, you know, cleats or boots and all this. And um, I've, I've been a soccer fan for a while, but I'm still ignorant enough to call it by American terms. So soccer, soccer club is what we went with. That's perfect. You know, and, and it's very interesting. That's one of my topics I was going to kind of have an complete episode just about the fact of picking out, is it soccer or football for your club, uh, your club's right. name. And in America, we call it soccer. So I think yeah. you got it right. I think you guys did get it right. You got, you got SC and that's what it should be. Um, when, when we were starting to, uh, you know, people would ask, Oh, what's the team name going to be? And I would say, you know, I don't, I don't know yet, but I can tell you one thing: it's not going to be Ray Al Greenville. <laughs> I'll promise you that. Right, exactly. That's awesome, man, and appreciate you taking the time to, to tell that story. And that's super important, like you said. You know, something that could, you know, potentially be two months long, turn into five months. You want to make sure you do it right. You know, you want to take that time to 
make a great looking logo and you know that's that's your representation you know that's going to be plastered everywhere so people see it and i think you guys did a great job with that well done man um and can you just talk a little bit uh more about just the recent hire uh john harks i don't see for me i'm a soccer fan i, I and i have to be honest here i did not know who john harks was but then when i was looking into him a little bit more he was the first u.s men's soccer player to play in the english premier league is that right he was, yeah. Um, it, it, we couldn't be more delighted with the hire. And, um, you know, I, I, as we get to a younger generation, because to me, John Harks is, oh, the guy who was uh, was on the 2010 World Cup as a broadcaster with Ian Dark, uh, you know, on ESPN. So, and I, uh, you know, when I first heard him um, doing World Cup coverage and stuff, I looked him up and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, the, Played it, played in the Premier League and everything. So, uh, awesome. John, you know, John really his his playing career is is one of the most decorated in U.S. soccer history. And uh, but he's the, the thing that you can't lose sight of all that is he's had a great coaching career too. Right. Um, he started, uh, you know, he's head coach for FC Cincinnati, one of the most successful um, lower level clubs in America. You know, getting ready to move up to the MLS and finished third in the league in a in a 2019 league in the club's first season. Yeah, that's um, he's, amazing. He's coached with the U-20 national team. Uh, he's he's coached with Bruce Arena and, um, at Red Bull and has, has worked with some of the best people um, in American soccer on, on the coaching side and just ha- just has a, a hunger to, to grow the game. And I, yeah. I, that's so evident every time you talk to him. And, you know, I think it's easy for someone to – be done with the sport and the sport's given him a, a great career and to, to take, um, take that career and, you know, hang it up and not look back. But John has tried at every level since, since he quit playing to, again, to just help grow the game in any way he can. And, um, it's infectious and we, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, a funny story in and of itself after, after the franchise announcement in March, uh, you know, Chris walks in one day and, said, Hey, you'll never guess who just followed me on Twitter. And I said, I said, all right, with this, you know, we, we sound like we're just, you know, like gossiping right now, yeah. uh, water, water cooler gossip. And I said, who? He said, John Harks. And I said, like that John Harks. And he said, yeah. And no so way. they, um, you know, I, I, I joked, uh, I was like, wait, so he slid into your DMS. Yeah. <laughs> So John and Chris talked a couple times over Twitter and with uh, Chris's uh, daughter playing at Clemson and being the, uh, one of the co-captains of the women's soccer team at Clemson. John and his wife, Cindy, are down occasionally. So they had just kind of developed a Twitter relationship. They had then talked on the phone a handful of times. And it was just it was a friendship first. And um, they met at a Clemson women's soccer game. And as Chris said, thought they were going to talk for 30 minutes, ended up talking for a couple hours. And wow. at the end of it, Chris finally, you know, it's kind of, kind of popped the question of, Hey, are you interested in getting back in coaching? Cause you know, if you are, this could potentially be a great spot and it evolved from there. And, uh, you know, we, at the same time, uh, obviously we, we didn't feel like it was a shoe in and wanted to do our due diligence. And we really, we put on a, a nationwide search and uh, flew in a couple other candidates. Talk, Chris probably talked with 15, 20 people on the phone as potential candidates. And 
um, all the while we were hoping that, that John would come be a part of the team, but we, you know, we, we knew that that wasn't, uh, a foregone conclusion. And, um, yeah. again, you don't, you know, you, you can't just expect, uh, someone with John's resume to fall into your lap at, at the D3 right. level. So, so we, we, we did, we did have a full search, but, um, you know, one, one day, you know, Chris comes back to me and says, Hey, I had, we've been talking and I think we got ourselves the harps. That's amazing. And, uh, I'm like, all right now. So, uh, that is awesome. so we were, we were able to agree a couple of weeks ago and then have him down and, uh, introduce him this past Monday. And he's been, uh, we've been running him around town all week doing media appearances and meeting with potential sponsors. And he was able to get out and do some kind of impromptu coaching with, at one of the youth clubs last night. And so it, it's, it's really been a whirlwind week and, um, John will come back in mid late September and kind of really, uh, start putting the work in and uh, finding players. Yeah. I was going to say the next steps kind of really is just uh, adding that roster, right? I mean, you got, you got basically everybody else in place uh, essentially uh, for the 2019 season. You guys was, will start to play in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah. we, uh, in, in addition to um, getting John, we've also uh, agreed to terms with our chief revenue officer, and he's going to start next week, and he'll oversee sponsorship and ticket sales, and um, you know, really make this thing go from a financial side. And he and John will get in seat about the same time, and um, we we will start late March of 2019, which is you know just a handful of months away now. Yeah. And um, so so John will start scouting players. You know, we've already had a lot of players reach out to us and reach out to John, um, inquiring about potential tryouts. And so as we get later into the fall, you know, kind of in the late October, November range, we'll probably start having some tryouts, and then nice. Uh, before you know it, you know, start of February, we'll, we'll be in training camp. And, um, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, once we get to the end of October, which is two months from now, you're kind of at the end of the USL and MLS season. So you, yeah. we, we get, we go into full off season mode as if it was any other season and you're, you know, working on how do you market it? How do you market? How do you sell tickets? How do you get those players in place? You can start getting contracts signed once the other seasons have ended. And uh, March will be here before we know it. Yeah, that's big time. The off season for the front office staff is really not off season. That's like on season, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's the time when the work is done to get your roster and exactly know, stuff like that. So, um, do you happen to know in, in your guys' plans, like for the Division Three? This is the brand new division uh, in USL, the starting 2019. And do you guys? I know I was looking online, but do you kind of have a perspective location of where you guys will be playing in the 2019 season? Like where in Greenville can I go find you guys play? Well, we're, we're still working on getting that finalized right now. We've looked at a number of sites and, and really every type of site uh, there, there are, we've looked at a, a handful of um, high school stadiums that hold football and soccer. Uh, yeah. We've looked at some local college stadiums. We've looked at, places that are just fields all by themselves that you could come in and uh, bring a temporary stadium into and set up for, you know, four or 5,000 people. So we're continuing to look at those sites and we've, we've not made a final decision yet um, on, on what the best spot is for sure. us, but sure. hope to announce that sometime uh, before we uh, get 
too far there. I, I, I think across the next four to six weeks is a, is a reasonable time frame for us to hopefully finalize something. But, right. you know, it's, it's interesting because there's, there's no perfect solution. Um, you've got, you know, places that you can play that, boy, that's a great stadium. It's close to downtown, but, uh, you know, it's too narrow for, um, mm -hmm. for soccer. Or you've got a place that, like you look at a Furman or, um, USC upstate or things like that, where, oh boy, it's a great college stadium, but it's a little, little further away. So it's really just about finding the balance of what, um, you know, what we can do to provide the best game day experience for a year or two years, realizing at the same time that there will be a forever home for um, Triumph Soccer, and that should come in 2020 or 2021. That is awesome. So like it'd be like a soccer-specific stadium type thing, like in 2020, yeah. 2021 or something like that? It'd be like... Yeah, uh, so it'll be, um, you know... We're, we're working with developers and um, sites across uh, Greenville and the greater Greenville area that even includes um, sites outside of Greenville County to, to do something that is primarily a soccer stadium, but could also host other events, you know, like yeah. uh, rugby, football, um, concerts. And um, we've, we've paid a lot of attention to what uh, Statesboro Georgia is doing with their, um, with their stadium that they're building for their D3 team that they want to have multiple uses for. And we know, you know, we know it's not financially profitable to have a stadium where you're only getting 15 soccer games a year. So we're, mm -hmm. we're working again, working with partners to see how can we do something that is a soccer specific stadium that provides a great soccer experience first and foremost, uh, our fans, but that can also be really an entertainment and sports home for, for the entire upstate. Yeah. That's super cool, man. It's, I'm super pumped for you guys, and as a fan, just like really excited about this. And you guys will get there. You guys will get to that point where you have, you know, a, a location. And I'm sure everybody that's listening right now can go on, you know, your Facebook page, social media, everywhere that Greenville Triumph FC or SC, I'm sorry, is uh, on a social media platform. I'm sure you guys will provide updates uh, with yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, we've got, uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, at either, uh, Greenville Triumph FC on Facebook or GVL Triumph on Twitter, Instagram. Um, we, we've got a lot of content across these next few weeks with, uh, coach Harks getting uh, settled in. We just did a Facebook Q and a Facebook live Q and a earlier today. So there's plenty, um, plenty to dive into and then, uh, more announcements to come across the next few weeks. Awesome, man. I'm continuing to follow you guys, and you have some great content out there. Go follow Greenville Triumph SC on social media, guys. You're not going to miss out um, on some great content. So uh, one last question for you. Kind of just leave you off um, with this question for everybody. Um, sure. where, where do you see Greenville Triumph SC going in the future? I know this, this is kind of just maybe five, ten years down the road. In, since you guys are in the USL Division Three, is there any room for you guys thinking like we should just stay in the USL and work through the Division Two, go to Division One maybe, or is there like an MLS Major League Soccer kind of uh, journey? The way we view it is, you know, we, we want to grow, um, and and we think this is something that can be highly successful, but we want to grow responsibly. And um, I think you've seen a lot of clubs around the country 
that have jumped leagues uh, often, and I think it's tough for the fans to follow along with. Yeah, I agree. Or, uh, it, it's it's tough to find healthy footing in a healthy league, or it's tough to find healthy financial footing growing too quickly. So that's something that we're keenly aware of. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we've we've got a good competitive chip on our shoulder and. If, the, if it's going really well and we look down and we're selling out every game and we're putting a competitive product on the field, you know, why not look up um, to USL and uh, who knows MLS? And I know um, the USL has talked in the past before about potentially exploring promotion relegation. That's something we're very yeah. interested to hear more on. Um, you know, it's, I know that's a big debate across U.S. soccer and yeah. Um, I, I think it's intriguing. Um, it's, it, it works really well in other countries. I think it could potentially be a great way to grow the game. So if that's something that comes to USL and USL D3, I think uh, as long as it's done responsibly, we would be open to uh, embracing something like that. So it really, um, you know, the, the, the sky truly is the limit for this. Yeah, I agree, Doug. And I think you guys are taking the right approach. But, you know, a, a uh, like you said, responsibly – you know, moving forward and, and not jumping the gun, so to speak, and, and jump a different league in you know, like in two years um, without having, you know, proper backing by your community um, and also, you know, ticket sales, stuff like that. You got, I feel like you guys get that and that's awesome. And I, I only wish the best of luck for, for the club. And I'm super excited to see what's in store for next year, uh, next year's season. Um, continue to do great things that you guys are doing over there and, seriously are making some great noise and I think people are going to start paying attention if not already. Uh, so thank you so much, Doug, once again, joining on my podcast on the T-Book Show. Seriously appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to, to talk with me and tell the story of Greenville Triumph SC. Thanks, man. Thank you. Really appreciate you having me on. All right, Doug, you take care. You too. All right, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.